0: Mom, go, 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 go. Welcome to the MANA Radio Program, 30 minutes of insight, inspiration, and ideas to help leaders to lead, teachers to teach, pastors to pastor, and parents to parent. MANA is about feeding your soul, improving your serve, and restoring your spirit. And now your host, the founder and president of MANA Educational Services International, it's Dr. Rick Cromie. Well, hello everyone out
1: there, Radio Land, this is Dr. Rick Cromey, and you're listening to the MANA Radio Program. Welcome, and Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas to everyone out there. You know, the nativity story is legendary. In fact, most Americans have heard of it in some form or another, and there are a lot of variations, uh, many of them uh, pretty much in line with a, a general theme or a general narrative. But unfortunately, too often our recollection of this story doesn't come from scripture, but more from traditional carols. Songs like We Three Kings of Orient Are, or Silent Night, or, or Little Town of Bethlehem, Away in a Manger, those are all wonderful songs, but. <laughs> they're not exactly accurate to the historical or cultural context, and sometimes they give us ideas and images that really aren't appropriate or accurate to the original story. One of the most interesting and, I believe, wrong legends about Jesus' birth is that there was no room for him in the inn. This simply isn't true, largely due to a terrible mistranslation of the original Greek. You see, the word Luke employs for in, which the Greek word is kataluma, is the exact same word he uses to describe the upper or guest room where his disciples enjoyed their last supper together. If you want to check that out, look at Luke chapter 2, verse 7, and compare it to 22, verse 11. It's the exact same word, kataluma. He uses it to describe the place where Jesus was laid and where Mary and Joseph were billeted, uh, in the story, in the nativity story, but it's also the upper room. Luke clearly uses a different word, though, when he does talk about an inn in the story of the Good Samaritan. The word for inn there is pandaeon. The Good Samaritan parable describes an inn as we would know it, but that's not what, that's not what's happening in Luke. No, it's actually a guest room. It's actually a guest room. It's the upper room. It's a guest room. It's a place where they slept. But there's more that we have missing or gotten wrong. Like the fact Mary and Joseph were two lone kids desperately seeking shelter so this virgin could give birth to the Christ child. The facts actually state otherwise. Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem because of the census law by Caesar Augustus. Luke chapter 2 verse 1. Joseph was in the lineage of David and probably had numerous relatives, perhaps brothers and sisters, still living in this little town of less than a thousand people. So the couple had plenty of lodging options. They weren't going someplace that they didn't know. They probably had been there many times before. This was Joseph's hometown, and he had family in the area. That's why he had to go back there for the census. So when Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem, and they learned that space was limited in the normal guest rooms of the, of the house, you know, that's something to think about. That's what's going on here. You see, first century homes were small, and most were single level. A guest room suggested a larger house, and maybe even a little bit more of an affluent family there. In most homes, the entire family slept in the same room, and guests would have joined them if room was available. A guest room was a bonus room. And the nativity story states that when Mary and Joseph arrived, that there was no room for them in the Cataluma, or the guest room. Luke chapter two verse seven. The couple were surprise visitors, though definitely they were welcomed. In the first century, informing relatives of pending stay was impossible. They didn't have phones back then. They didn't have email. You just showed up and took whatever was available on the floor or whatever space was, was available for them to, to lodge. So, where did Mary and Joseph find sleeping quarters and eventually birth their baby boy named Jesus? I mean, the scriptures reference a manger in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, and that means that they bunked in the barn with the animals. Now, if a house was large enough to have a guest, room, Cataluma room, then they also had a barn for their livestock, which back then would have been sheep or chickens, maybe a cow, an oxen, a variety of barnyard animals. A manger was used to feed the livestock. Some some Bible scholars suggest Jesus was born in a cave, but uh, that's unlikely since most caves would have been outside the walls of Bethlehem. The city gates and walls were critical to protect the citizens. Bethlehem was large enough to have a gated wall. Consequently, the only ones outside the walls were outlaws, thieves, and shepherds, which were basically akin to today's migrant farm worker. Caves were not exactly the safest place either, when you think about it. We know from Luke's account, the shepherds went to Bethlehem to see the Christ child. So Jesus was born inside, not outside the city. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. Now the barn was a lot like our garages would be today. Livestock were for transportation and work. They needed protection from theft and provision. Some barns were separate structures, but in many first century houses, they were connected. Remember the reference to the upper room where Jesus communed with his disciples, Luke twenty-two twelve. 12? An upper room suggests, that's right, a lower room, and families wealthy enough to own a two-level house basically lived above their livestock. In other words, the lower room was likely the barn as it was safer and more convenient. Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus slept in the garage, or the lower room with the family livestock. Now, Trust me, such accommodations weren't really all that unusual, even by today's standards. Barns have often been great places to sleep for the weary traveler. In fact, it's a great safe place for people to billet strangers, people they don't want to let into the main house, but they want to give them some space for them to have lodging. Luke chapter 2, verse 6 also suggests that Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem already when the Messiah was born. They came for the census, but her pregnancy made them stay. Evidently, the guest room was still occupied, perhaps by another new mother. (laughs) So Mary and Joseph billeted in the garage or the barn. Now, the scriptures don't say Mary gave birth alone or in the barn all by herself. It's just where the baby Jesus was staying the night the shepherds visited. Mary probably gave birth in the house, aided by female relatives and midwives and then moved the newborn Jesus to a plush manger crib for the night. You know, later the magi or the wise men are going to visit Jesus. And most likely they're still staying, Mary and Joseph are still staying at the same relative's house. Except now they're sleeping in the guest room, Matthew chapter 2 verse 11. I mean, why didn't Mary and Joseph just return to Nazareth? After all, Herod's edict to kill all boys under two years of age suggests the young couple stayed in Bethlehem a lot longer than just a few weeks or months. Matthew 2.16 They perhaps were in Bethlehem for the duration, but left for Egypt under duress thanks to a warning dream. Nevertheless, they went to Egypt and not Nazareth. The reasons? I think it's because the rumor mill was still hot in Mary's hometown. Joseph was married to a pregnant Mary not carrying his son, a crime, by the way, worthy of death. Egypt was on a different continent, and nobody would know them out there or over there. It was the perfect place for this troubled couple to hide out. Consequently, Jesus was born in a barn, but he was raised on the run. So here's what we know for sure about the nativity story. First of all, baby Jesus wasn't born alone. No doubt many other relatives witnessed the event, besides those, born, besides those Bethlehem shepherds. Secondly, neither did his parents travel door-to-door, desperately seeking shelter on that first Christmas Eve. I mean, that's a whole misconception. You get this idea that Mary and Joseph are going door-to-door, knocking, please give us room, please give us shelter. That, um, that type of t- hospitality was a grievous social sin in first-century Palestine. Third, we can learn something here too. The manger was in a barn connected to the house and probably even inside the house. This was a secure place. It was warm and it was also comfortable. And finally, we need to recognize that Mary and Joseph had family. They also had room and they had time in Bethlehem. They stayed in the little town for months, perhaps nearly two years before escaping for Egypt. A trip, by the way, that was financed by the Magi's gold. Joseph was probably working his carpenter trade at the time. That's what he did. Jesus' dad was a carpenter. He could have easily set up shop and, and did carpentry work there in the little town of Bethlehem. Only after a few years in exile would Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, who was now a young boy Jesus, return to Nazareth. No doubt, possibly with an extra baby brother or sister in tow. Puts a new spin on the old story, doesn't it? Let me give one final thought here, just some food for thought here about Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem and the little town of Bethlehem, Bethlehem was about a day's walk away from Jerusalem, and it was a small little town, again, of about 1,000 people. Bethlehem means house of bread. That's very interesting. It's a house of bread. It was David's town. This is where David, the great king David, was was born and raised, and he was and anybody who was in the line of David, this is where they came. They came back to Bethlehem, which is very interesting because the Messiah Jesus the Christ is going to be born in Bethlehem and it 's actually prophesied in the Old Testament. The book of Micah talks about that how he 's prophesied to be born in Bethlehem, the Messiah. Well why is that interesting? Well, first of all, because of the name Bethlehem meaning house of bread but it's also interesting for another reason think about all those shepherds for a moment what was going on in Bethlehem that shepherds were there watching their flocks by night which by the way also tells us this wasn't winter time this wasn't december in israel or palestine it was probably closer to summer maybe late spring we don't know the exact time of Jesus' birth, but we know it wasn't during the wintertime because the shepherds wouldn't be outside tending their flocks in the wintertime of Palestine. But with that said, what are the shepherds doing in this story? Well, if you understand anything about Bethlehem, this is the one thing you would need to know. Bethlehem was the sheep factory for Jerusalem, and in particular, the Passover, which is coming up in the spring. Bethlehem was the place where all of these little sheep, these little lambs were born and then marched in on the week, right, that, that first Sunday, that Sunday before, that first day of the week before of Passover, all these lambs were marched in. Now you start to understand something very interesting about the triumphal entry, Jesus marched in. He rode on a, on a donkey into town, but what was he riding with? Have you ever thought about this? All the lambs were coming up, all the Paschal lambs were coming up from Bethlehem on that day. That first day of, 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 of to mark the Passover feast, that week-long Passover feast, Jesus was coming in on a donkey, but behind him, all around him, were all these lambs coming up from where? Bethlehem. It was a parade of lambs. And as they were coming in, here was the Lamb of God, who is also the bread of life. Bethlehem meaning house of bread. So out of the house of bread, the bread of life was born, and he was also a lamb that's going to give up his life for his sheep. It's an amazing image when you think about it. Bethlehem is, is an incredible, has a lot of history around it, but it also has a lot of metaphors for which the Christian can take heart and find confidence in. The scriptures just come alive when you think about these things, and it's such a wonderful, wonderful story, the nativity story, but it's even more compelling when you start to understand the historical and cultural context in which Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah was born. Well, this is Dr. Rick Cromie. Thank you for listening in, and I do wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
0: You've been listening to the MANA Radio Program with Dr. Rick Cromie. MANA Educational Services is passionately committed to empowering leaders to lead, teachers to teach, pastors to pastor, and parents to parent. MANA offers workshops, video, and online training products and solutions completely for free. That's right! Plus, MANA offers digital downloads and other inspirational products and solutions, again, free of charge. And that's because of the generosity of our loving donors. MANA operates by the prayers and generosity of individuals and churches like you. And we invite you to consider a donation to our work. All donations are tax deductible. For more information, please visit our website at manasolutions.org. That's mana, M-A-N-N-A, solutions.org.